what is going on guys welcome back to the whole nine draft podcast i am your host josh berg with alex here for another episode and this one's gonna be another really interesting one we've got a brand new segment another scouts report and detroit fans we've got some perfect fits in a seven round mock draft for you guys including a new quarterback a new quarterback a new quarterback um yeah uh i hope my parents listen to this episode being from (laughs) the detroit area they're technically lions fans although not really anymore but hey detroit I i have a soft spot for the lions i feel bad for them I don't, but that's because I'm a Vikings fan. Yeah, that's fair. Anyways, before we get into the episode, as always, make sure you guys go ahead and follow us on Twitter at WNDraftPod. We've got a poll up there right now for Position Spotlight, which will be the Friday episode. Go ahead and uh, vote on those. We're doing linebackers this week with four really close linebackers in our rankings. Go ahead and vote for your favorite uh, and best prospect there, and we're going to break down each four and share the results on the podcast um, next recording session for the episode, so make sure you guys go ahead and do that. As Should well we tell as them follow... the four choices? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest. Khalik Hudson, Marcus them. Bailey. Ev- Evan Weaver, <laughs> Khalik Hudson, Marcus Bailey, and Jacob Phillips. There you go. See, I did the running back poll last week, so Alex is doing the linebacker. We're just going to alternate. So yes, sir. That's how. Uh, that's why I don't. That's know. why I, I remember them. That's why he doesn't. remembers them and I don't. I I did vote though, so hey, that's good. And follow me on Twitter at joshberg0611 if you want Twitter stuff from me, and if you want it from Alex, um, follow him at Alex Katzen. That's Katzen with a K. Um, some people spell it with a C. It's it's with a K. Um, go over to wholenlinesports.com. Check out all our latest articles, mock drafts, scouting reports, and so much more. We got XFL stuff up as well. And uh, yes, some sir. tributes to some late great Chargers quarterbacks um, and Philip Rivers. Uh, Alex wrote a uh, piece on Rivers this past week. So go ahead you, and Phillip. check that piece out. We're also going to have some mock drafts every Monday. I've got one coming out in, I think, two weeks. So, hey, go check those so. out as well. I think it's two weeks. And uh, follow Whole Line Sports on Twitter as well, at Whole Line Sports. Um, we do a bunch of interactive stuff on Twitter there, start, sit, cut, all that, all that stuff. So go ahead and go over there and follow up whole nine sports and hey if you guys like the podcast i don't know why you would but hey if you do give it a five-star review and a comment down below and we'll make sure you shout you guys out if you guys say nice stuff so scouts report if you guys are new this is a segment we've done every episode and it's basically just letting you guys basically giving a scouting report and letting you guys know about some guys that are kind of under the radar um on draft boards this week we kind of chose both smaller school guys not on purpose um but that's kind of like was our theme here when we were talking. We kind of picked smaller school guys. Um, and Charlotte has a NFL draft prospect. Alex, tell us a little bit about Alex that's right. Highsmith. Yeah, so um, I definitely didn't pick Alex Highsmith just because his name is Alex, although that is an added bonus. Look at that. Um, Ed Rusher out of Charlotte. Charlotte's produced some uh, NFL talent in they, the last couple have. years. It's, it's pretty wild, honestly. Uh, Nate Davis went to Charlotte. Um, they've got a couple other guys in this draft as well. Um, Alex Highsmith is Alex Highsmith. I keep saying it like I have a lisp. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, really like him actually. Um, I think he's probably my favorite sleeper edge in this class. I know a lot of people like Darrell Taylor from Tennessee. Um, I, don't I still have to get into him too. Anymore. Yeah, I he's think rising. I think he's um he's almost out of sleeper territory at this point. Yeah. But Highsmith is a guy I really like. Uh, Shrine Bowl guy wasn't at the Senior Bowl, so unfortunately we weren't able to see him in person. But someone who, um, very, very quick player. 
Yes. Um, really good snap anticipation. Um, has a has a good set of moves. You know, I think um, he's got a variety of moves that he can use, which is uh, something that you don't always see from edge rusher prospects, as strange as that is. Um, really effort effort based player. Um, gets to the quarterback a lot just based purely on motor. Uh, sometimes if his moves don't work. Um, more of a stand-up rusher guy, probably a better fit in a 3-4 than a 4-3. Um, <clears throat> he does, um, obviously being a smaller school guy, there are some questions about the level of competition he went up against. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head what division Charlotte is in, but I don't I imagine they played it's... Appalachian State. I think it was one of the teams they probably. played this past year. They're in so. Conference USA. They're in the eastern half of Conference USA. So I... So I guess that means we both pick Conference USA players. Look hey, at that. Look at, completely accidental. Um, yeah, that wasn't on purpose at all. You can tell because we're both very surprised. Both like, Charlotte was in Conference USA? We're both like, oh, that's crazy. Um, that's Highsmith is a guy go. who is um, he's very one-dimensional. He's yes. a pass rusher and nothing else. Um, needs to get better stopping the run, uh, needs to get better setting the edge. Uh, obviously as a three, four guy, he pretty much is the outside man there. Um, doesn't have the length that like some of these other guys have, uh, shows up a little bit on his tape where he just, um, isn't quite long. The tackles, the tackles arms are just too long for him to be able to like get out of his grasp. And, uh, so that can kind of stop him. Uh, someone who I think isn't necessarily going to be an immediate starter in the NFL, but should be probably a nice rotational guy, probably going to be a day three pick. Um, but I think someone who could in an NFL when in an NFL system, in an NFL like uh, environment uh, is someone who I think could really develop pretty nicely and end up being a pretty nice player for uh, like five, seven years, probably. Yeah, I think he's someone that's going to be i think at his ceiling will be a rotational situational pass rusher he like you mentioned he doesn't have the length he's 6'4 240 um i picked a tight end this week and my tight end's taller and larger than alex highsmith correct um, he as you mentioned he's not great at stopping the run and he's has a real hard time um creating separation to get off blocks because he is a not as long of a edge rusher so the tackles can really just basically wrap their arms around him and give him a big, big hug and just yeah. prevent him from getting into the backfield. Um, but he's he's also a guy that's not technically gifted. He's just someone that will win reps. Um, we kind of touched yeah. on this in the podcast before. He's got really good m- finesse moves, but as far from like a technical, uh, he's more of a stand-up pass rusher, as you mentioned. He's not someone that's going to wow you with his technique at rushing the passer, but he just wins reps, and he's super, super high-motor player. Um, he's not great as far as strength from the point of attack. I think that does have to do with his 6'4", 240, not exactly being the biggest edge rusher out there. But yeah. I think, as you mentioned, he's got a place in the NFL, and I think NFL teams are definitely going to have their eye on him as someone that can be a upside pass rusher because i think you know the tools are there for him to succeed he's got really good speed athleticism and he's got as you mentioned a good inside move um that i think teams if they can coach him up a little bit get him in the strength program get him a little bit bigger i think he'll be a nice rotational piece for a defense looking for some pass rush help yeah definitely i think he he'll probably have to add a little bit of weight onto his frame you know i think he's a little bit a little bit skinny for the NFL right now, probably. 
Um, but I think if you can get him to add some weight, um, get him to just, you know, like you said, just get him to work on technique a little bit. Um, someone who, depending on how far down he gets in the draft, might end up as like a practice squad stash guy, which I think would be good for him too. Yep. Um, or if you just have him on the back end, like back half of your 53, cause you're afraid someone else is going to poach him. I think that's a good role for him too. Um, like I said, just someone, um, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I love guys who just win reps regardless of how they do it. 100%. Um, you know, James Lynch, Logan Stenberg, uh, guys like that. Um, and Highsmith is another one of those guys. And so, um, he's someone that I'm very intrigued to see. Um, I'm interested to see, I think, he did get invited to the combine. I'm pretty sure. I, um, I think so. We'll have a I'm, combine preview episode one of these days. Yeah, I'm but. pretty certain. Um, so he's someone that I'm. He's one of the players that I'm most excited to see at the combine, just because, like I said, because he went to the Shrine Bowl and not the Senior Bowl. Um, we haven't really been able to see him play that much. Um, I think he can a little test bit, really well as far as yeah, the speed. definitely. I think he's going to test pretty well too. Um, but obviously, coming from Charlotte, it's a little bit harder to get tape on those guys than if you played in a Power Five school. But I think, sure. too, that works to his advantage a little bit, like kind of in these later rounds where a team is going to, you know, more likely to take a flyer on him because it's like, oh, he's a small school guy, you know, like he didn't really have the resources that he needed to like be like, you know, a day two, day one player. Um, and so, like, I think you could see a team that like feels really confident in their developmental aspect of their coaching staff on that side of the ball. Yep say we're going to take a flyer on this guy and try to develop him into a, a really quality pass rusher. I think he might, um, as much as I think everyone in the world would hate this, I think the Patriots might be a team that yeah. you look at. You know, they really the like thing. doing stuff like that, like every position. But a, like, I think, too, with pass rush, especially because they already have Chase Winovich, and so there's really not a rush to get another like huge contributor in there necessarily. Um, but, yeah, just like having him in that system and just like getting him into like an NFL atmosphere, I think is going to be really beneficial for him. And I'm excited to see how his career plays out. Yeah. I think the two teams that immediately came to my head when we were talking about Highsmith was new England and then Baltimore, I think are two teams yeah, definitely. that will just keep an eye on them because they're not, if you look at the, the rosters with new England and Baltimore, they're never really have this one super big standout stat stuffing pass rusher. They just have a yeah. bunch of guys that win reps. So I think Highsmith could right. fit they in the rotation with both teams. They have a bunch of guys in kind of like that 5, 7, 10 sack range. Yeah, and I think that Highsmith will be able to fit in that range with either team. It would be interesting definitely. to see if New England goes edge early or if they do take a flyer on a guy like Highsmith. Um, yeah, definitely. Segwaying to a guy that I think could be another really good fit in New England at a bigger position of need, I think, than edge, and that's yep. tight end. Um, and I went Harrison Bryant, tight end out of Florida Atlantic. Um we planned this episode before we recorded the other one, so we didn't realize we were going to be no, talking about Bryant in back-to-back episodes. Um, he went but that's in okay. our um, Harrison Bryant's great. He is good. He's very good. He, he went, went in our Redskins mock draft. Yeah, he yeah. went to our Redskins mock draft. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and listen to that. Um, he's someone that coming into this year was viewed more as a receiving threat he obviously won the Mackey award um he put up a lot of receiving stats i don't have the numbers right in front of me but he was a stat sheet stuffer um and he has shown in 2019 because his 2018 film was almost he was almost strictly used as a receiver but he showed throughout the progression of 2019 he's willing to learn how to block 
and willing to be put in line to block if needed. Technique is not great there. Um, he's going to need some more reps to get used to realizing what a blocker's duties are, whether that's in pass protection or blocking for the run. But he's someone that I think is getting lost in the shuffle a little bit at tight end, which I think is a very middle, deep class. And we've talked about it, Thaddeus Moss, Stephen Sullivan, Hunter Bryant, uh, Adam Troutman. There's guys in the middle that really are kind of like overshadowing because they were bigger names or they were, had a better senior bowl week. Bryant had a very solid 2019 campaign. He put up a ton of stats, and yet he's not getting the recognition for it. He's a big-bodied guy. 6'5", 240 is what he's listed at. He's got an incredible vertical and catch radius that's almost like a wide receiver. And he's got super long arms. I think he's going to be someone that a team like New England can just plan mismatches for and get him open pretty much any way possible. Yeah, definitely. Um, I pulled up his stats while you were, while you were talking about him. Um, 2019, he had 65 catches for 1,004 yards and seven touchdowns. It's insane um, for a tight end in college. That's pretty good, yeah. Um, I, I will say the one thing is that FAU didn't really have him run a very diverse route tree. That, um, yep. You know, it was pretty much Seems. verticals or comebacks. Pretty much. Posts, and that's pretty much it. Um, which I don't mind that much um you know <clears throat> definitely definitely more of your like move tight end like a slot more of like the slot tight end type yeah. of role not really a guy you're gonna put in line kind of reminds me of like almost like a jimmy graham i was gonna say that's jimmy, not really a jimmy that's graham not, yeah that's not a pro player. comp necessarily but like kind of that same type of player where, like, he's not really, like, hyper, hyper-athletic like Evan Ingram is or something, where he's basically, like, literally a wide receiver. He size to uh, as advantage. Yeah, but, like, basically, like, is playing basketball every Pretty time much, the ball's yeah. in the air. Like, he's just boxing out a defender and just getting a rebound, essentially. Um, <clears throat> like you said, not exactly, uh, not a great blocker, but someone who's shown the willingness to do it. Um, I do think he's going to have to improve his technique in order to play him in line at all. 100%. Uh, in the NFL. Um, but again, I don't know how much you even want to do that. Um, I think, like you said, the Patriots are a really good spot for that because I think they have a bunch of guys who are blocking tight ends already. Yep. Um, you know, when you look at that depth chart, you have like Matt Lacoste, you have Ryan Izzo, guys who the Patriots were kind of trying to use as receiving tight ends when they're really utilized best as essentially fullbacks. Um, so yeah, I think that's a really good spot for him. I think like a, um, let's see who else needs a tight end in this class. I think like the Redskins, I mean, obviously we mocked him. (laughs) Yeah. We, we mocked him to Washington in the last episode. Um, I think that is a really good Jordan Reed role. Yeah. Immediately looks like Jordan Reed. Um, yeah, I, I like him. I, I think he's being undervalued a little bit just because, like, he's from a smaller school. He's not as big of a name, you know. I think I think also, like, this isn't – I'm kind of joking when I say this, but also I feel like it might be a little bit real. I feel like people might be undervaluing him because it's like he has the same name as Hunter Bryant, essentially. <laughs> that, that's fair, and Hunter went and to Hunter Bryant is, school. Yeah, and Hunter Bryant's from a bigger school, and he's kind of a bigger name. Like people knew about him coming into the year. Yeah, 
And Hunter Bryant is the hyper-athletic, like, Evan Ingram-type guy who's, like, a little bit more exciting. You know, tight end's not really, like, a exciting position a lot of the times. Right. You know, that's kind of changing a little bit now. You know, you have Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle, you know, guys like that who are exciting from that tight end position. But, like, you know, yeah, traditionally. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Harrison Bryant's going to make a team really happy, I think, in, like, probably the – Probably early day three. I think like round four is around where I would have him. Um, I know he went in the, we took him in the fifth round of the Redskins mock draft. Yep. Um, But that's just how the board broke down. Um, I think the fourth round is more where I expect to see him go. I think depending on how he looks at the combine relative to these other guys, he might sneak into like back half of the second, early third round. It depends too, like whether or not there's going to be a run on the tight end position like on day two right yeah it depends where, on where like the bryson hopkins and cole commits yeah start we're like coming off the board right we're like you think a lot about those teams that don't have first round picks and like the bears need a tight end i think uh the steelers could probably do with the tight end as so well could the rams uh the rams could use a tight end especially if um are both of them free agents or is it just one of them i think it's just one but i'm not 100 yeah. percent sure i can pull it up so while either tyler higby or gerald everett maybe both of them are free agents and so they could use another tight end Houston really could too um, yeah i think the texans really like using multiple tight ends and so i think you could always look at them as a team that could add another one if they feel like the value is there um i think they probably have more pressing needs where i'm not sure that they would do right. it in the second round but uh yeah so like all of those teams you know with their first couple picks being in day two i think you could see a run on the position and brian uh, Bryant might end up being taken before Friday's over. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him on Saturday either. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. No, and I think, like I said, the thing with him is, like, people are going to question his blocking. But to me, if I'm a team looking for a receiving tight end or, like, Bryant is a guy that I want, I just want to know that he's at least trying to improve his blocking. And that's yeah, what I think is important is, Florida Atlantic used him basically strictly as a slot receiver at this point. Um, yeah. And well, and there's there's a lot of guys in this tight end class who really aren't great blockers. Oh, absolutely. Either. Like, it's kind of the same. Like, we've talked about this linebacker class in kind of the same vein. And I think there are they are very similar in terms of, like, stylistic-wise, where, like, a lot of the players are kind of the same style of player. Stacking against Obviously, each other. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen Hunter Bryant block anybody. Yeah, as a, as a Washington fan, um, Cole Komet's more of a receiving guy. Thaddeus Moss more of a receiving guy. You have Harrison Bryant. Um, you know, like Adam Troutman's more of a receiving guy. I feel like Bryson I think CJ O'Grady is more of a receiving guy. Even like uh, Okuegbunam from Missouri is more mm-hmm. of a receiving threat. Like you have a lot of receiving tight ends and not really a whole lot of guys who Josiah Deguara too. Sorry, Brandon, I almost forgot. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, you know, you have a lot of those guys who are receiving tight ends. And so it's kind of a, it's kind of a similar thing where it's, like, if he, can, if he can show out at the combine and show that he's, like, at least athletically on par with those guys, I think you could see him rise upwards. So the Rams, as I was pulling up here as we were talking about, both are under oh, contract, yeah. actually. They, Higby would have been a free agent, but they gave him an extension. Um, oh, so he right. is back and Everett is back as well. Um, Everett's right. a free so agent in 2021 and then Higby is a free agent in 2023, but okay. Pittsburgh has Vance McDonald up in free agency. So yes, Pittsburgh, I think would be a so good fit there. Pittsburgh and Chicago. 
So we kind of just talked about two teams where their pending free agents really could determine where they're going in uh, the draft. We're going to introduce a new segment here called Hypothetical World, and Alex can take all the credit in the, in, uh, the world for coming up with the name here. All the credit um, in the hypothetical world. All the, all the credit in the world, hypothetical world, um, where we're just going to go every few episodes, go position by position, and kind of talk about a few pending free agents and how they can affect the draft. Um, and this week, we're going to start at the top, at the quarterback position. There's been a lot of quarterback news surrounding you know, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady, Philip Rivers. We're going to go over a couple of free agent guys, but we're going to start with a guy who was a backup this past year and won five games, and that's Teddy Bridgewater. Um, he's a guy that made himself a lot of money this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think he's someone where I'm not really sure what he's going to do, you know? Come I back to Minnesota, think... please. <laughs> I don't think Minnesota has the money. No. They so definitely and Kirk um, we trust or so we yeah. say. And I'm not sure I'm not sure he's gonna go back to New Orleans either because I don't think he wants to be a backup again. No, I think Behind, he's earned the right know, to be a starter. Yeah, and like so when you look at that, right, it's like if Drew Brees comes back, I think Teddy Bridgewater probably leaves. Correct. Probably. Um and so then you start looking around the league and it's like, okay, well, where could he go? Um Obviously, the Chargers are a team that, like, we've heard a little bit of buzz about. Um, I think, I think he wants he'd probably want to go home to Miami, but I'm not sure that Miami would be willing to pay him because they seem pretty dead set on taking a quarterback and in his Tua, draft. Yeah, yeah, like they seem pretty dead set on Tua specifically. Um, so I'm not sure that that's really a fit for them. Um, I think you could see like I'm not sure how much money Chicago has, but I guess maybe they could do it. Um, but I feel like Chicago will bring in like a more of like a Ryan Tannehill, Marcus Mariota I level say, player I think been to kind of compete with Trubisky instead of just someone that would like clearly outright start over him. Um, but I think a team like Indy too is someone oh, you yeah, can see him sure. Um, and so obviously as far as that goes, um, if we're talking about the Chargers and the Colts, uh, both of those teams are teams that have been rumored to be taking a quarterback very high in this year's draft. Obviously, the Chargers have been linked pretty heavily to Justin Herbert at six. Uh, the Colts have been the Colts are reportedly enamored with Jordan Love at thirteen. Um, but if one of those teams gets to Teddy Bridgewater, all of a sudden you see that not materialize. And so, how do you want to do this? Do you want to talk about what would happen if Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Colts? And then I'll talk about the Chargers. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So go ahead and talk about All the Chargers. Right, let's do it that way. So <clears throat> if he goes to the Chargers, that takes Herbert out at number six, I would I would only assume. Right. So if you're looking at and you're you're the Chargers fan here, but I guess I'm gonna ask you a question that you can kinda dive in. Sure. Would you rather have a Teddy Bridgewater overtaking a QB at six? So what I assume would happen is if we signed Teddy Bridgewater, right, then we're taking an offensive lineman at six. I would assume so. I would hope. I would hope. Um, and this is something that Dylan and I talked about on the Whole Nine Sports podcast when we were talking about Phillip Rivers and we were talking about what's next for the Chargers, where he basically said, would you rather have a player that we're going to talk about later and a first-round offensive lineman, or would you have a rookie quarterback and – 
an offensive lineman in the second round or something. And the reason why he used the player that we're going to talk about later and not Teddy Bridgewater is because it's very, like, it's it's a clear answer. I would much rather have Teddy Bridgewater and take, like, a Jedrick Wills at six yep. to play tackle and roll with that and see what you have with that rather than draft Justin Herbert, Jordan Love, whoever it is at six, and then go that way. Um, and then that kind of has a domino effect down the draft where all of a sudden then, like, you probably see a team like the – um, maybe the Cardinals even like look into trading out of that pick so that someone can jump up to eight and grab Herbert or Carolina um, takes him at seven. Yeah. Carolina could even just straight up take him at seven, depending on what they're going to do with Cam Newton. I mean, you could see Arizona trade out, you could see Jacksonville trade out. Um, and then like, especially because Arizona needs an offensive lineman so badly. I think, you know, all of a sudden you see the chargers take an offensive lineman. And then if, the Cardinals take an offensive lineman too, assuming they don't trade out. Then you could see the Browns trade out because then all the offensive linemen are off the board. Um, so it'd have some really interesting implications. Um, yeah, I think Bridgewater is the one quarterback that can really change the dynamic of the draft because the other two guys we're going to talk about are kind of older and yeah. they're going to be more short-term <laughs> fixes to a team that's still going to look for a long-term answer. While Teddy, Definitely. I think, can be a long-term quarterback for the next five, seven years for your franchise if you wanted to go that route. I don't think you're bringing yeah, in Teddy probably. and paying him the money that we're assuming he's going to get to be a bridge quarterback. I think you're bringing him in to be your franchise QB. I get it. Yeah, and same thing if he goes to the Colts, right? All of oh. a sudden then Jordan Love is out of the equation at 13, so then do you see Jordan Love go to the box at 14? Um, or all of a sudden are you seeing Jordan Love kind of fall down the board where, like, he gets to, like, the mid-20s or something, and then, like, a team like, I don't know, like the Titans, if they don't keep Ryan Tannehill, takes right. him or something. Well, right? um, I think the ahead. two teams that are interesting here, as we we're talking about them, the Colts and the Chargers, I think they're the two most logical answers for Teddy because they're both teams yeah. that have top-to-bottom really solid rosters when all healthy that are just yeah, missing absolutely. consistent QB play. I mean... The, the Chargers have one of the better defensive units in the entire NFL when everyone is healthy. Obviously, Derwin being injured kind of Which injured them last year, and Philip Rivers had downward play, and that caused the kind of the spiral to be a top ten pick. But just the year before, they were a playoff team. Yeah, definitely. Um, and same thing with the Colts, right? I mean, oh, for sure. And I think Bridgewater almost, is a definite almost upgrade. a playoff team this year. You know, I. I don't know. I like Jacoby Brissett. I do think that they weren't prepared to be rolling with Jacoby Brissett as the oh, full-time yeah, starter this year, obviously. Of, you know. um, so they kind of had to you know, pull some stuff together on the fly. But I think they did well with what they had. And I think if you upgrade Brissett to Teddy Bridgewater, all of a sudden you're looking at a playoff team, a team that could be winning the AFC South. Oh, for sure. And I, like I said, I think Teddy has earned the right. I mean, I'm biased because I'm a Vikings fan and we drafted him and I was – yeah, Super happy we took him at pick 32, and obviously he had a whole knee injury, and he went downward. He was with the Jets, then he was with the Saints and whatnot. But he's earned his contract. I think he's probably going to get somewhere between 20 and 30 mil, um, and I think he deserves to do that. I do think him going back to the Saints, I think, is still a sneaky option because Teddy just seems like the type of guy that is super humbled and will wait for the right opportunity, I think. But we'll have to yeah, see kind of what happens. Definitely. Apparently Taysom Hill's the franchise guy over there if Breeze retires, and it's, it's going to be interesting with the Saints this year for sure. Um, I'm going to let you kick off with this one because you just wrote an article about him. Philip Rivers yeah. is now officially parted ways with the Chargers. Yeah. So, so 
go in depth Obviously, on him. Obviously, that immediately puts in some implications for the Chargers, right? Of 100%. Finding their next quarterback. We are just talking about them potentially signing Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think, again, the Colts are a team that are in, in play there, where I feel like if the Colts, you know, don't feel like they have the patience to wait for a guy to develop, they want to make their run now, um, then that's someone that they could target. Um, I know people are kind of questionable about whether Philip Rivers is an upgrade over Brissett. I think he is. I'm I think probably so biased. But, um, 100%. You know, so there is that. The other destination that I've seen a lot for Philip Rivers is Tampa Bay. Obviously, uh, he moved his family to the Florida area. Tampa Bay is really the one Florida team that makes sense. Obviously, Jacksonville still has the Nick Foles contract, and they have Gardner Minshew. Miami, like we said, is pretty dead set on taking Tua, it seems like. They have Ryan Fitzpatrick there to back him up. Um, Tampa Bay is one that really interests me because I feel like it would only prevent them from taking a quarterback at 14. Yeah, you know? I agree. I think that, like, if you see... So, like, for the sake of this exercise, let's assume that Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Colts and Philip Rivers goes... Or Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Chargers and Philip Rivers goes to the Bucks. So the Colts take Jordan Love at 13, right? Or Herbert, depending on... Or Herbert, depending on how it works out. Right. They take AQB. Um, I feel like then the Bucks probably say the value is not really there for us to take a quarterback in round one to sit behind Philip Rivers for a year. Let's just take a quarterback in the second round. And then all of a sudden you could see the Bucks. I know one of the more popular things I've seen is the Bucks signing Philip Rivers and then drafting Jacob Eason in the second. Which I think is a really good idea for them. Which, yeah, I, I really like that idea. Obviously, again, I'm biased. I go to UW. I love <laughs> Jacob Eason. I'm a Chargers fan. I love Philip Rivers. I think that'd be fun. Oh, um, yeah. Maybe not everyone else does. But that's something where I... I think that if Philip Rivers goes to the Bucks, then like I said, he's not they're not going to be looking for a quarterback in the first round. And so then, you know, so then what are they looking for? And I think they could go edge rusher, depending on how other parts of free agency play out. They could go safety, they could go corner, um anything they could on go the linebacker defense. even. Like depending on how much they like this linebacker class, they could even like take Kenneth Murray and then all of a sudden that throws the draft completely oh, out of whack. For sure. And then it's like, what do you do now? Um so still some interesting implications. I think definitely doesn't impact the draft as much as Teddy Bridgewater because, like we said, it's more of a short-term thing. He, I think he's probably max, like, got two more years left in I him. think so, too. Um, and but I, probably only one. And I don't know if a lot of it, him struggling this year, I didn't watch a lot of Chargers football, was because of the bad offensive line play or if it was his age regression, but I think it was a combination of both. Um, yeah, I would say so. And so, yeah, I think if Tampa Bay's bringing him in, they're bringing him in to kind of, which I'm not sure how much Rivers will like it, but they're bringing him in to kind of groom a young quarterback that they're going to draft either in the second or third round of this year's draft or potentially in the first round of 2021, depending on their positioning and who's available at their spots. Um, right. But we're, if Phillip Rivers goes to Tampa Bay, that means Jameis Winston is not coming back. Jameis is super hard to find a spot for him because I don't think there's a lot of starting spots available. Chicago, Chicago, <laughs> Chicago, Chicago. I, look, that's the actually the team I was going to mention is the team that seems to make the most sense. It would be I, Chicago. I think it'd be fun. I'd honestly enjoy it. As, as a Vikings fan, I enjoy it too. That's a lot of turnovers. That's fair. Um, <laughs> so um, between Trubisky and Jameis, I, but... 
I'd be interested to see James Winston and Matt Nagy offense. Maybe I'm so the too. only one that feels that way, but I think it'd be I think it'd be interesting. I just to me, um, if Jameis is a free agent, there's not a lot of starting spots available because we're assuming Teddy goes to the Chargers, Philip Rivers goes to the Bucks to replace Jameis. I don't see the Colts paying Jameis Winston. I just I don't. I see think that at that happening. point the Colts would rather take. Just like either trade up for Justin Herbert or just hope that he gets there at 13 or take Jordan. Or take Jordan. I I 100% agree. Jameis Winston. So to me, you're looking at, for Jameis, you're looking at the Bears as a potential option. Um, I think that's actually a really good fit because I think the problem with Trubisky is that no one to push behind him. I think now if you put a veteran guy behind him that's started in the league a lot of games, I think that can maybe either motivate Trubisky to play better or you simply just get an upgrade at quarterback um with James being a starter I think that Vegas would be an interesting fit depending on what they want with Derek Carr um I've seen they want Brady I I just don't see Brady leaving Uh, New England I just I we purposely didn't pick Tom Brady for this exercise oh he wouldn't have affected the draft really at all um he's going back but um I think I think as far as Winston affecting the draft um if he goes to the Bears, right, I think that then you would probably see the Bears add weapons on that offense. Right? Yeah. I think you'd probably see them Tight draft end. a replacement for Kyle Long pretty early. Kyle Long, who retired earlier. Yep. Um, after the season ended, I think you'd see him take a tight end pretty highly. I think you could see them add another receiver. I'm not sure how they feel about Riley Ridley, but he didn't really show anything to me this season. Um which I think uh, quietly there's a couple of needs on that defense too. And I think that I think so too. not not addressing those would be interesting. But I feel like if you're bringing Jameis in, you have to give Trubisky and or Jameis the weapons to prove that one of them is going to be your quarterback moving forward. Well, and I think that's going to be their main priority regardless of who's at QB because I think – I think if they don't bring in anyone, this is Trubisky's like last shot to prove he can be the guy. So you yeah, want to definitely. see what he can do with all hands on deck. You bring him in, another receiver, a tight end. You give him some offensive line protections. That way you can now open up the run game with David Montgomery or Trey Cohn or whoever you're going to have run the football. And Or if you bring in Jameis, you want to bring in playmakers that can exemplify his high-profile arm. So you're going to want to get a vertical receiver of receiving tight end so it's going to be interesting i think Jameis has a lot more in play than i think he's really been talked about because i think a lot of us are just assuming he goes back to tampa but i think it's looking especially with rivers officially being a free agent it's looking like he might be on his way out so yeah it's gonna be interesting yeah Yeah, definitely an Definitely going to be an interesting quarterback market. You know, there's a couple other guys we didn't talk about, too. There's some guys available on the trade market, probably. You know, what are the Bengals going to do with Andy Dalton? Are they going to trade him? Are they just going to cut him? If the Raiders are really looking at getting Tom Brady, what does that mean for Derek Carr? Um, You know, Ryan Tannehill's out there. Marcus Mariota's out there. It's going to be an interesting offseason at the quarterback position. For for sure. sure. One team that has their franchise quarterback... At least, at least to me, I I still love Matthew Stafford as a Vikings fan. I They're also Matthew acquiring Stafford. a new one in this draft. Yeah, they are new franchise quarterback. Heard it here first. Um, at pick three. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Um, <laughs> we're doing another uh, seven-round mock draft. We're going in order. Number three is Detroit. We did Washington and Cincinnati in the previous two episodes. Go check those out if you have not already. And this has been the pick that really people have said the draft starts because Burrow to Cincinnati seems like a foregone conclusion. Washington seems like a foregone conclusion. They're going to take Chase Young. Detroit really is the interesting spot. Now, for the seven-round mocks, we're not doing any trades, but this kind of seems to have been like the hot spot for a quarterback uh, needy team trading up to pick three, whether it's uh, Miami trying to just prevent anyone else from trading up to get make sure they get Tua, or maybe it's the Chargers trading up for Tua, or the Panthers, or Tampa, whoever. They're, this has been the hot spot for a team trading up. But we don't have trades. But I think there are a couple different directions that Detroit can go here, uh, whether it's Isaiah Simmons. But you and I both took Jeffrey Akuda here, and I think that that seems like the most logical spot for Detroit to go. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you said, there's a number of different directions they could go here. They could take Akuda. They could take Isaiah Simmons, who I think is one of the more like the most versatile player in the draft. They could yep. take Derek Brown if they yep. want to add to that defensive line. But I think Okuda has to be the pick here. Um, <clears throat> I think that they should pay Darius Slay, first of all. I do too. Um, well, doing I don't so, want them to as a Vikings fan. But yeah, he, but doing so it. means that you're going to have to pay Darius Slay a lot of money. You're already paying Justin Coleman the most money for a nickel corner in the league, I'm pretty sure. Um, so you can't really afford to bring in another free agent corner and pay that guy to be your other corner on the outside anyway. Um, but if you draft Okuda, you're getting a guy who's probably going to be a top 10 corner in the league as a rookie, right I away. think. You know, if he is the player that we think he is, and yeah. you're going to be getting him for on a rookie contract, right? Like, you don't have to pay for that, essentially. Um, and that's something that I think the Lions need to value. You know, last year, a lot of people mocked the Lions a corner, and the whole the the rumor was that they didn't like any of those corners in the first round. That's TJ Hawkinson. That's, <laughs> yeah, but honestly, that's looked pretty... That's looked like a pretty good evaluation so far. Yeah, Denver Baker know. was bad. Byron Murphy there. was up and down. Greedy Williams was injured, so we don't really know yeah, for sure. For sure. But, like, but like it looks like they they uh they called that one right there. So props to them for that. But I think this is the spot to be doing it. You know, oh, I think, I think so if too. you don't like any of the first round corners in this year's draft, you're blind. Yeah, I think there's <laughs> I think for sure four first round corners and I think there can be an argument for five or six that could go in round one. Yeah, definitely. Um obviously you and I are on the This draft is of, very top heavy. It it really is. <laughs> so and like, there's probably like five or six that deserve to go in the first round, but not all of them are going to. Oh, I hundred percent agree. And I think Akuda is being touted as the best corner to be evaluated in five or so years. I know he's right there with Jalen Ramsey when he came out for me. I think Akuda is more polished as far as a technique side than Jalen yeah. Ramsey was. Um, yeah, well, and you I have think to think about too. Like Jalen Ramsey played safety. He played college. safety, hundred percent. So are you even counting that as a corner eval, right? You know, some people aren't. Yeah, I projected him as a corner, so I called it a <clears throat> for corner sure. eval. But for uh, sure, yeah, Akuda's more technically sound than Ramsey was coming out, and I think his floor is already a lot higher. And Jalen Ramsey, I think, has been the number one corner, Pat, two out of the last three years at every top three corner since he's come into the league. I think Akuda can have that impact that he did in Jacksonville. And then you even <laughs> saw the Rams' defense was horrible. They bring in Jalen Ramsey. They you, The improvement was there with Ramsey in coverage. 
um, on yeah. that back end. Obviously, it didn't push them to propel to where they needed to go, but it was you could tell the impact that he has at the corner position. So finding if you're Detroit having two guys like that with Darius Slate and Jeffrey Akuda in a division that's got Devontae Adams, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson, that's going to give Detroit an advantage against these NFC North teams. So we know that Detroit has a lot of needs. And like I said, we they could have gone a number of different directions in round one. Round two, I think they get a steal here as we have to go yeah, Grant Delpit. Um, this pick is insane. Is falling on draft boards. And we understand why, but we also don't understand why. His 2019 tape was rough. He had trouble tackling. He had trouble staying healthy. He wasn't as active in coverage. His 2018 film, he was, if if we're just evaluating his 2018 film, he was probably a top three, top five player in this draft class. Oh, Grant yeah, Delpit sure. is a Swiss Army knife safety. You can put him in a bunch of different um places on the defense and i think that's kind of what hindered his production this past year because lsu moved him around a lot so he wasn't ever stable as far as okay he's going to be a safety getting tackles or playing on the ball or he's going to be a run support guy getting tackles for loss he kind of was moved around a lot and i know it's back-to-back secondary picks here for detroit but these are our corner corner one and safety one they're getting in rounds one and two yeah i mean you know like you said, back-to-back secondary picks, but also the value here is way too good to pass on. 100%. <laughs> like, I was the one that made this pick, and when Grant Delpit was still available when I made this pick, I considered restarting the simulator. Yeah, it was Because I was like, crazy. This, this is not realistic. But honestly, it, at it this point, it might be. It kind of is the way it's be. going. It might be at this point, um, which just speaks to, like, how much a down season can hamper your draft stock, right? Like, like you said, coming into this year... Um, you know, I heard people talking about Grant Delpit as being like a generational safety prospect. Oh, for sure. Like one of the best safety prospects ever. Um, and now all of a sudden we're talking about him as a guy that we're picking in the second round of a draft. Um, I think he's probably probably best fit as a strong safety, would you I agree? I think so too. Um, I think he can play free. I wouldn't necessarily do it. Um Obviously, the need at free safety is probably a little bit bigger for the Lions, having just traded Quandre Diggs to the Seahawks. Um, but I think they could use an upgraded strong safety, too. Um, I'm not in love with Tavon Wilson. I don't know how you feel about him. I like Grant Delpit more. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Um, so, again, just kind of like, I think with Akuda and Delpit, and, you know, obviously we're assuming they're paying Darius Slay. You still have Justin Coleman. That's a nasty secondary. It really is. And I think Delpit That's... can be this like Tyron Matthew type of role on defense yeah, definitely. where you can move him in coverage. You can put him on some linebackers. You can put him in some run support. He can kind of do everything. He needs to get better at tackling. We clearly saw that this oh, yeah. year. He well, had a horrendous year tackling. But whether it was him playing it, trying to play it safe to stay healthy and it ended up just backfiring on him or he just was not reading routes the right way or whatever it was with Grant Delpit. If Detroit is getting 2018 Grant Delpit here in the second round, that is scary good value. Yeah, that's insane. Um, Another pick that we thought was a pretty good value here, uh, moving to the third round, is Josh Uche, the edge rusher out of Michigan. Um, For sure. I really like this pick. I think that um, 
obviously there's the connection of Detroit plays in Michigan. Josh Uche went to Michigan. What? Um, Detroit's in Michigan? <clears throat> as it turns out, it is. It's crazy. Um, we, we classify him as an edge rusher here, but Detroit runs a 4-3, and Josh Uche is pretty small, so I think you even could move him to outside linebacker where Detroit has made it clear they're looking for help. Oh, um, yeah. You know, they drafted two linebackers, I believe, last year. Um, I know I know they drafted Jelani Tavai. I want to say they drafted another one, too, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, a team that needs outside linebacker help, I think Josh Uche could play outside linebacker if you want him to in a 4-3. Um, I think his coverage skills are okay, given the fact that he mainly was an edge rusher at Michigan. But also, if you want to have him like as a sub-package rusher, um, to start off with while you kind of develop his coverage skills. Um, a guy that was at the senior bowl. Really good so, week. Yeah, really good week too. And he was he was on the team coached by the Lions. So like they, the they, Lions got to see how he looked in coverage and I thought he looked pretty good during that week in coverage. I think so, so too. Um so if you want to like, you know, move him move him off of the line and into like the linebacking core and have him play as a coverage outside linebacker that still gets to rush the passer every now and then. I think that's a player who's really good. And as you can kind of tell our, um, our philosophy so far for the Lions has been just drafting versatile guys on the on defense. The, on the defense for sure. Cause yeah, their offense... I think that offense is talented when healthy. Well, and I, I think... feel like the defense is where they need more help. I think Stafford just being out last year really hindered the production on the offense of what it could be. And carry on was in and out and offensive line was banged up. I think on paper, yeah. if they could stay healthy, the offense in Detroit's pretty good. Um, going to Uche, what, if you're watching his film, the first thing that you're going to notice is his burst off the line of scrimmage. He is yep. incredibly quick. And what he does, that's really interesting that I think is he uses to his advantage. And why I think um, teams are going to fall in love with him is he's super high IQ guys. He can draw offensive linemen out of their sets and then can go inside and take advantage of it. Um, I noticed it a couple on a couple games of his film where he's just a really smart, instinctive player. He is smaller, 6'1", 240, so he's probably not going to be your 4'3", uh, defensive end like Detroit runs. But yeah, as an outside not. backer, I think he's shown the coverage ability, and I think it would be a tremendous fit for Detroit, along with their fourth-round pick here, Akeem Davis-Gaither, who is a versatile, athletic freak. We've talked about him before. He, We're not going to get tired of talking to him. We absolutely love this player. And I think the reason why the Uche pick makes so much sense is because Davis-Gaither, we had him taken round four, he will make up the ground in coverage if Uche, turns out in the NFL, isn't as good of a covered guy as we saw in Mobile. Davis Gaither is a really good coverage linebacker. Yeah, definitely. I think you could I think Davis Gaither mainly played outside linebacker, like as a four three outside linebacker at Appalachian State. Um, I'm pretty sure. I think in this four three, especially given the situation where you're drafting Josh Uche, also I think you could see the Lions kick him inside, inside. the middle linebacker. Um that's a fit that interests me. I only say that because I like Devon Kennard. I do too. Um, but also, I mean, I'm looking at this depth chart, and obviously Jelani Tavai isn't on it. I think he ended up on IR. Um, and so Jelani Tavai, I think, is their starter middle linebacker. And so then it kind of gets into so. a weird spot. 
where like you have Kennard, you have Tavai, you have um, Josh Uche, you have Davis Gaither, and it's like you have four guys to play three spots. But that, honestly, that's not a bad thing. The way the <laughs> NFL is going, you you need yeah. guys that can be situational, and you can use Uche. You can have him add some strength, and you can use him as a situational pass rusher, or you can right. use him exactly. as a situational guy in non-passing situations as a linebacker helping in the run support. So I think that it's good and good to have guys that can do multiple different things where you can give multiple looks to the offense and keep everyone fresh. So Yeah, definitely definitely would be a be a nice linebacker rotation there. You know, they still have Gerard Davis under contract too, who ended up on IR also. Um so you have Tavai, you have Gerard Davis, you have Devon Kennard, you have Uche, you have Davis Gaither. Um that's a that's a good that's a that's good really good core. and people are mocking Simmons possibly going at three too so if they take Simmons instead of Akuda at three and then they take a corner in round four instead of we had Davis Gaither you put Simmons in the mix as well that's another option right. regardless yeah. I think Detroit is taking a linebacker yeah I think I think they will take a linebacker at some point um, you know I don't think they're happy enough with the core that they have to stand pat. Um, I think that is the one spot where they've, like I said, they've they've made it clear that they're looking for help at that position. And so adding Uche and Davis Gaither, I think, more than does the job. And you, you've kind of sensed a trend here with the way Alex and I mock. We like versatile players. We've talked about it pretty team. much on every player that we've talked about, whether it's Scouts Report or whether it's... We're about to talk about it with this next pick, too. Oh, 100%. <laughs> now that, that I'm looking segue. at it. Um, I couldn't remember who it was. But we like guys that we can play multiple um, spots that can do multiple things. And I think the way that the NFL is transitioning now on offenses, you're going to need you know running backs that can run and pass catch. On defense, you need linebackers that can rush the passer, stop the run, and drop back in coverage. You need safeties that can be single high by themselves in playing zone or can help in the run support. So you need players that can do – a bunch of different things. Detroit, if you look on their defense, they don't really have that Swiss Army no. knife player, and we just gave they them very three of them. players. Yeah. So I think that's not transforming. A, again, not a defense. bad thing, but uh, definitely adding some versatility would be oh, for awesome. Sure. And uh, switching now to the offense for the fifth round, we didn't forget about the versatility. Offense. We didn't forget about them. It is the first offensive pick, but we did not forget. Um, we're going to go with Hakeem Adenji, the offensive lineman out of Kansas. Um, we just have him marked down as an offensive lineman. And the reason that is is because he played left tackle all four years at Kansas. Uh, I believe he was a three-year starter, if not four. Uh, yes, um, three-year. But at the Senior Bowl, he played almost exclusively guard. And he looked pretty he good, looked, too. And he looked really good, too. Uh, I mean, he was – they moved him inside to guard, and he was stopping Neville Gallimore on – a lot of reps. Oh yeah, um, he looked very good at guard. Someone who I'm really intrigued how he's going to look in the NFL. Um, a guy who I've written about Adenogy a lot. Obviously, Big Twelve guy. I've written about him in Stock Up, Stock Down a couple times. I wrote about him in the Senior Bowl articles I did. Um, someone who I think, especially in the fifth round here, I think you can bring him in and he can kind of be your sixth utility lineman. You know, if someone goes down in the middle of a game, you kind of plug and play him. Um, if you want to run like extra tackle sets because you want to throw the ball to your left tackle or whatever, you know, you can have him come in. Um, 
he can play four out of five positions on the line. I think he can pretty much do everything except play center. And even then, you could probably teach him how to do it. I and I think center's the safest spot <clears throat> in the Lions' offensive line with Ragnow anyway. So Definitely, yeah. Um, but I think that the Lions do are kind of looking towards uh, some changes on, along that offensive line. You know, you have... You have Taylor Decker and you have Rick Rag- Rick, Rick Wagner at tackle. Um, you know, obviously they paid Wagner a lot of money to get him over from Baltimore. Decker, I think, is either on an extension or in the I last year. I think he might be a deal. cap casualty, actually, this year. Yeah, um, but like... He's making a lot know, of money. He's making a lot of money, yeah. And, um, you know, you do have Tyrell Crosby in there, who they took in the middle rounds I last year. I like, like Tyrell Crosby. I'm not sure he'd be yeah, the franchise I like Tyrell tackle, Crosby, but, but like, I think you know, he's a guy that they have know, there. Who knows? Uh, Decker's a free agent right guard. at the end of this year. Decker's a free agent. Okay. Um, you got Graham Glasgow at right guard, Ode Abushi at left guard. You know, a lot of guys who are solid might be getting overpaid by other teams, you know, if they hit free agency, something like that. Um, and not like standouts by any means, I would say. No. Um, and yeah. Pretty. I mean, especially when you think about it, like two of their quarterbacks went down with season ending injuries. In oh, games. for sure. And going back to the versatility thing, you know, if they do decide to part ways with Decker to save cap room, because he is a free agent at the end of 2020, um, Adenogy played left tackle in college. Whether you want Adenogy being your left tackle for Matthew Stafford, who's coming off an injury in his rookie year, I'm not sure you do, but he has the ability to do so. And he played guard. Uh, Their starting left guard at the beginning of the last year was Joe Dahl. He went down with injury. Um, mm-hmm. so you can plug him at Adenogy in that guard to replace Dahl. I just think that, ha- I mean, I like Glasgow and I like Ragnow on, uh, at center and at right guard. And Rick Wagner is a solid right tackle. He hasn't been great, uh, worth the money, but he's a solid piece. So I think if you're drafting Adenogy, you're looking to improve the left side of the offensive line. Yeah, and definitely. I think just getting a guy that has left tackle experience this late in the draft, I think is crucial. Whether you play him a left tackle or not, just being able to have left tackle and do it pretty effectively. Um, that like Adenogy did and he can move, he's got good mobility. And if you get him in space, he has good body control. I think it's just another versatile chess piece for the Lions. It just kind of see what you have in him. He's going to be a project. Yeah. He's not going to be perfect in every aspect you're going to need to work on some technique with him he's probably gonna need to get a little bit stronger especially if you want him to be your left tackle um but i just think going back to versatility you just have a player that you can kind of use in three or four different spots in the offensive line for a lions team that really battles a lot of injuries across the entire offense um i think he's just someone that you want on your roster yeah definitely and like i said just like you know, for the first year or two, just have him as, like, your sixth lineman, right? And just see what you have, basically. Oh, um, for sure. I definitely think you can you can do worse than that. And um, you can definitely do worse than this next pick, too, oh which is God, another one a, where... This pick's a steal. Yeah, we were very surprised this, this guy was on the board. Um, the Lions have an extra fifth-round pick because they traded Quandre Diggs to Seattle. So this is that pick. Um, it's fifth round right now it looks like it's going to be about 154 um obviously that might change with comp picks and everything we still don't have those all released and on the simulator that we've been using um but this pick is michael Pittman jr the wide receiver from usc and i 
love this pick. I I like Mike. I love Michael Pittman. He's the oh. one of the few receivers where I think I have him inside my top ten, and nobody is talking about him. Yeah, he had quietly um, had a very good Senior Bowl week. Um, he's someone that I yeah. know coming into Mobile, I was looking and was very much looking forward to seeing how he was going to get off the line. Um, he's big bodied, six four. I just think him and Galladay would be a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. You know, and like you look at the wide receivers Detroit has on the roster, and you have Kenny Galladay, obviously. You have Marvin Jones, who's getting getting older. You know, he's 29, he's going to turn 30 during next season. Ended up on IR last year. Um, you have Danny Amendola, who's obviously getting older, uh, more of a slot guy. Jermaine Curse is someone that they had on IR, you know. So really after Galladay and Jones, assuming Jones stays healthy, there's really not a lot of guys to play on the outside. And like you said, Galladay and Pittman would just be so much fun. And uh, you kind of touched on this, but I think Pittman answered a lot of questions about whether or not he was going to be able to separate from yes. defensive backs during Senior Bowl week. I think that was the main concern a lot of people had with him. He looked was good. Just... <clears throat> yeah, he did. Um, ended up uh, sitting out the last day of practice, and I can't recall if he played in the actual game or not because of an ankle injury. But I don't looked remember. good in the practices that I saw him in. Um, Someone who, like you said, I think just isn't being talked about and should be getting talked about. Um, son of an NFL player, obviously, so like has been around that like NFL sort of discipline environment his entire life. Um, Going to step in and be like a high character guy for you right away. Um, not that the Lions need that by any means, but you know it's always nice to have. Yep. Um, yeah, just someone who I think could eventually take over that outside role from Marvin Jones. You know, if the Lions decide they don't want to re-sign him whenever his contract is up or if, you know, he just can't uh, stay healthy, then, like, all of a sudden you have Kenny Galladay and you have Michael Pittman on the outside, and that's um, disgusting, honestly. Yeah, it really is. Like, the Michael Pittman, I can't remember where. He's inside, I think, my top 70, 75 on my big board, pretty close to around that range. Um He's 68 for me on my big board, and we've got him at what pick? 154. That's I have, an, I have him at 95. That's absurd. I I absolutely love Michael Pittman. Um, I think the one flag I've got my summary up on him was I didn't love his suddenness off the line of scrimmage and creating separation um, right. downfield, and he didn't have a diverse route tree. Um, but I also wrote my summary. He's going to be primarily used as an X. Um, so he's not going to yeah, be, definitely. he's not going to be your number one. You don't necessarily have to have him run a ton of different routes. Cause that's what you're going to have Galladay for as your one big play, um, receiver. But Pittman showed improvement with his footwork off the line, his speed off the line and his ability to separate downfield all in mobile. And he still yeah. has that same physicality that you see on film where he being 6'4", he still has that big body to go up and get the passes. Um, I've seen some evaluators have him as like a big slot. I think he could play the slot. I'm not That's necessarily the role I think I would yeah. go. I think I'd rather have him on the outside, but I yeah. think he's capable. I was thinking capable. about kind of like, okay, this is not a player comp by any means, but I was thinking kind of like 
once you said like didn't really run a diverse route tree, but you're going to use him as an X. What my mind immediately went to was the way that Seattle used DK Metcalf this year. Yeah. Um, where they have, they had obviously, uh, they had Doug Baldwin before this to do this, but they kind of moved Tyler Lockett into this role of like, kind of just your possession receiver going to stretch the field down the sideline. Um, that I kind of feel like Kenny Galladay plays for that Lions offense, and I feel like Pittman could kind of fit into like a similar role, not exactly the same role because they're not the same player, but a similar role where it's just like utilize what he's good at. Don't make him do things he's not good exactly. at. Exactly, and I'm not I'm, I'm not saying DK is a pro comp, but as far as role-wise, yeah. what his role is in the offense, you're going to have you had Lockett be your big play receiver, and Galladay will be the same thing, and you're just going to use Pittman like you – Seattle use Metcalf, use him to his strengths. Right. Don't make him run right. these routes that he can't make um, sharp cuts on. Don't make him try to uh, burn people downfield because it's not what he's good at. You want to make him out physical the corner and get and create a separation with his physicality. I think he's going to be an incredible red zone threat. Um, Definitely. And I, I saw his pro comp the other day. I think it was Dwayne Bowe from Kansas City. And I That's actually really like that comp. He's someone like that, that yeah. I think can be used, like I said, in the slot if he needs to, but right. it's not his number one game. And he's just going to be a very physical, big receiver. And like I said, I think my one big red flag with him was his acceleration off the line and ability to create separation. And I think in Mobile, he shut us all up. Yeah, definitely. Um Someone who also had a very good week in Mobile, at least. Quarterback. Um, new franchise quarterback for the Detroit right Lions. Right here. Perfect fit. Uh, Six-round pick. Also their last pick of this draft. Excuse me. Uh, the Lions don't have a seventh-round pick because they traded a conditional seventh to San Francisco for linebacker Eli Harold. Um, so there you go. So six-round pick is their last pick of the draft. We went with... Shea Patterson, the quarterback from Michigan. 100% um, guaranteed to happen. Yes. <laughs> I, what, I, what I'll say about this pick is that um, this is one of those ones where Shea Patterson worked with the Lions coaching staff at the Senior Bowl. We thought Shea Patterson looked good at the Senior Bowl, so it seems like a natural fit. Um, you know, I don't... With Matthew Stafford going... You know, ending up on IR this season, I don't know if the Lions are going to be looking towards, like, you know, maybe they want to start grooming a guy for a couple years behind him, see what they have. You know, they kind of, you know, I don't think Jeff Driscoll is a long-term answer for anybody. Obviously, Kyle Sluter. Also going down. Um, you have Kyle Sluter. <laughs> um, Minnesota Vikings practice squad had, legend. Yeah, definitely. You had David Blau, who I thought looked okay, but I don't think he's gonna be anything more than a backup really. his upside is not um, nearly as high as shea patterson so just put it yeah that definitely um shea patterson is someone who is uh caught a lot of flack from evaluators rightfully so from uh, his tape. yeah rightfully so i can say that as a michigan fan rightfully so yeah uh, he's you know on tape he doesn't look like he's very good <laughs> um <laughs> but 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 there are a couple throws he makes every game where you're like oh yeah that's that's an nfl quarterback for sure and that's an nfl starting quarterback for sure and obviously like you know a lot of quarterbacks are able to make those throws but i thought in mobile shea made those throws 
a lot more frequently than we were used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I think the Lions might be willing to take a chance on it, see what they have. He's someone that I could see, you know, sixth round, you know, it's a little... I don't think he'll little, be there. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be there. Um, I think more I likely think that than he'll one probably of the rise up boards a little bit. Yeah, they may have to use one of the fifths on him. I was gonna say too, like the sixth. Even if they do are able to get him in the sixth, the sixth is a little early to like try to stash a guy in your practice squad for, for a year, for sure. Especially as a quarterback. Um, but like, if they were able to do that, I would really like that. Actually, if you could just like have him on a practice squad and just have him like work through, you know, his consistency issues. I think that that would be something that would be really good for him. Um, But like you said, I don't think he's going to necessarily be there in the sixth. I think they might have to use one of their fifths, probably the earlier fifth, honestly. Yeah. Um, You know, if they're going to grab him, Um, especially because the middle of this quarter quarterback class is so weak. It's very murky. Uh, You know, once you get past Jalen hurts, who's QB, six seven How he's between it? the six and eight range normally yeah but once for you, some yeah once you get past jalen hurts you know you have like you have nate stanley you have anthony gordon you have shea patterson you have bryce uh, perkins bryce no you don't <laughs> you have, i have uh, bryce perkins i do not have bryce perkins i hate bryce perkins uh, uh you know but you there? have players like that who yeah are all, for sure who are all kind of in that same range, and you could kind of—I could honestly see them going in pretty much any order, and I'd be okay with it. Um, but Patterson's a guy that I—I I like. I think he could develop into something given enough time. Um, I'm just not sure that the—I'm not sure that a team other than the Lions has the time and patience to do it. That and that's—I think that's what makes this fit so perfect. Is he worked with Detroit? He had good interactions with the coaching staff. He improved every day. Day three was his best day. Looked good working with Detroit. Yeah, and day three was his best day. I mean, I I wasn't at the live practice. It got rained out, and um, only certain media could get in. But I went back, and I found some (laughs) highlights of it on Twitter. And he was making these throws that just you turn to the guy next to you, and your jaw would drop. He was placing the ball in tight windows, just making really good throws. And you saw splashes of that on tape where he'd make this one throw and it would be insane. And then, well, then he'd throw an interception or then he'd take a bad sack yeah. or horrible yeah. accuracy issues. I mean, he yeah. list goes on and on with his struggles um, as the Michigan starting quarterback. But I think out of the quarterbacks that we're talking about in this middle tier, I'm including Bryce Perkins, whether you do or not. Um, but guys like Nate Stanley, Anthony Gordon, uh, Steven Montez, who's also in Mobile. That's who um, I was forgetting. That's who I was trying to think of. And then you said Bryce Perkins. I <laughs> Bryce Perkins. disgusted to think. And, uh, you know, I think Patterson has the highest ceiling out of any of those guys. I don't even think it's that close. Yeah. No, I don't think so either. I think the only guy you could even really make an argument for is Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon. And yep. that's only because he's never taken a snap under center. Yeah. Other than that, like, there's really not a whole lot else that I see in terms of, like, ceiling. But, I, you know, I think it's a good developmental piece. Like I said, I think he's going to go a lot higher than people think. I could see him going in round yeah. four, round five, just because I think I, – I've been saying this before. I think a team like Vegas, if they don't pull the trigger on a, yeah. uh, on a QB and free agency or whatever, if they don't draft Jalen Hurts, which I know is a fit that we talked about with Vegas mm. before, 
I think yep. just getting a guy like Shea Patterson, because I see some a little bit of Derek Carr in Shea Patterson. Um, For sure. I think just bringing him in, maybe they'll think he can have the potential. Um, you know, you sit him. I, I don't even know who Vegas' backup is right now. So Nathan I think, Peterman and you know, Mike Lennon. Yeah, so they need a backup quarterback. Kaiser. Got it. Um, <laughs> so I think Patterson, if knowing that QB depth rate, he'd probably be their backup week one um, in yeah, Vegas. Honestly. But I don't know. Like I said, him and Detroit just seem to be like a match made in heaven. Whether Detroit stupefies himself and just takes him in like round three, round four, just because they're afraid someone else is going to take him, I'm not Dude. sure if that's the way to go. Um, but that's what Clayton I, Carson went in round five. I would not Dude. be shocked if Detroit were to do that because I think that they did really like this kid in Mobile and I think in Detroit I think he'd have the best chance for success down the line definitely I really like this draft I this was a really so good draft I think one two three four five guys in my top 100 were drafted in this this one yeah I think I think and then the is right outside guys who are not going to last until this pick that pretty much yeah I think <laughs> But, Uche will you know, be probably round two. Um, Pittman probably round two, round three. Um, but hey, it's, we we want to try to build the hey, best. That's part of the fun draft for that we possibly can. So we're gonna take the best player available. That's what any front office would do, and that's what we're trying to recreate. But yep. I hope you guys did enjoy the episode. It's super late. This is the second episode we've recorded tonight. Um, it's three o'clock where I'm at. Um, I know it's one o'clock where Alex is at. So we're both gonna go to bed. Um, We've oh, got a couple. I still have more we've got a little bit more work to do, but we're gonna see you guys on the next one. We're gonna have another um, episode recorded in the next couple days, so make sure you guys go vote on the Twitter poll at WNDraftPod. Um, position spotlight linebacker edition. Uh, Alex, run through those names one more time for the viewers. Evan Weaver from Cal, Kalik Hudson from Michigan, Jacob Phillips from LSU, and Marcus Bailey from Purdue. So go ahead and go vote on who you think is the better prospect or your favorite prospect. We're going to go over all four and share the results on our next episode. Make sure you guys give a review down below if you guys did enjoy it. Detroit fans, I know you guys had to have loved this draft, so make sure you guys give it a five-star review and a comment down below. Follow me on Twitter at JoshBerg0611. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Katzen. Go over to Whole9Sports.com. Check out our latest articles, mock drafts. I go over this every time you guys know the drill. And follow Whole9Sports on Twitter at Whole9Sports. Until the next time, I'm Josh signing out for Alex, and we will see you guys next time. Later.